Today's show is brought to you by our presenting sponsor, Cufflinks.com. If you want to look good when you step out in the morning or you have an event coming up, go to Cufflinks.com slash DVR today. And from January 3rd to the 12th, it's winter clearance. 20% off sale price. Use code WINNER20. Now, you know what? Cufflinks.com is good for any season. They've got all the great geek stuff you like, whether it's Rise of the Skywalker, they got Avengers, they got NCAA, NBA, NFL, all that kind of cool stuff, plus the wearable art, classic, good-looking cufflinks, ties, all the stuff that you need. Go to cufflinks.com slash DVR today, use code WINNER20 to save 20% off, support our sponsor cufflinks.com, a family-owned company just like DVR Podcast, baby. Go to cufflinks.com today. Hey everybody, I had the opportunity to jump on with Ralph. You remember Ralph from the Darmalars back in the Lost Days? He's still at it. He's still podcasting just like us. He's got a great Patreon called Casino Skunk. Casino Skunk, the Secret Society. Go over to Patreon and check that out. And this was a special show that he did. He covered all of the Mandalorian on his Patreon, and he was kind enough to allow me to release this wide. And Ralph does a whole host of other podcasts, too. He does a Kaiju podcast with, guess who? Jorge Garcia from Lost. They have a podcast together. Go subscribe to that. Go over, check out Ralph's Patreon. I'm going to have all those links in the show notes. And we had a great time talking about the rise of the Skywalker a little bit. But also, more importantly, Mandalorian Episode 8, the season finale. Man, I love Mando. Lachlan, give me a Mando. That's right, baby. Check it out. Thanks, Ralph, for having me on. And pretty soon, I want to have Ralph over here on DVR Podcast, Daily DVR, so we can just talk about something, because Ralph is just a great guy to talk to. Take a listen. Enjoy. Uh, Welcome to the Casino Skunk Secret Society. I am Ralph. This is episode 68, and we are covering Mandalorian Chapter 8, Redemption. Redemption. And I'm joined by W. Axel Foley from DVRpodcast.com. Axel, how's it going? It's going great, man. I am very excited to be here with you. I'm in a Star Wars frame of mind. I went and saw the rise of the Skywalker today uh-huh. with my kid and i um, ready to talk about Mando, baby. Yeah, the season finale of The Mandalorian. Um, you, I was listening to, uh, Owen and Baru's barbecue on the Jane Jack network. The latest episode, was it the latest episode? No, it was the previous episode, episode chapter seven yep. that you were on. And thanks for mentioning my name on the show and this show. Of course. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, it sounded like you loved Mandalorian from beginning to end. I most certainly have. I, uh. This is kind of what I always wanted, and it kind of fell in line very quickly with what I expected. And I think, you know, a lot of times we bring, mm-hmm. I mean, we always bring our expectations into what we're watching, especially with something like Star Wars, <laughs> you know? Um, right. And so for me, I didn't have any like hurdles to get, I just wanted kind of like 
Mandalorian in the Star Wars universe. And I was actually a little, a little kind of worried that it was going to be overly plotted out like I have found uh-huh. the newest films to be. Right. Um, and so I was super excited when it wasn't. And I kind of, you know, I'm a fan of Favreau. I think that the dude is a really solid director. And right. I think that he doesn't often, since he has experience in like the Marvel universe and all that, and coming from the swingers days and coming up in the industry, I think he mm-hmm. knows, you know, he makes good decisions and I was just really happy with it. Right. Speaking of which now folks that have listened to this show knew, know that I had a problem with episode five and six. Um, that was the Tatooine episode and the prisoner episode. Yeah. Um, I took, I had real, like they felt like filler episodes and I felt like they could be placed in any order in the show. And it was kind of a bad pairing back to back for me as far as the story goes. And there's something that I realized after watching the latest episode, which is those two episodes are the only two that John Favreau didn't write. Hmm. Yeah, there you go. So, so yes, I found it very interesting because I love last week's episode. I, I love this finale. Uh, they're both so good. And I feel like maybe what had, what has happened is maybe John Favreau wrote a movie called the Mandalorian <laughs> and they went and said, well, how about we do it as a series? And they chopped it up and needed a couple of episodes to fill out a series. I would not, be, you know, I wouldn't be surprised and I'm totally okay with that. You know, I'm not a person right. who thinks things need to be, this is now like a people everywhere. <laughs> like everything needs to be planned out or like, you know, right. lost right. wasn't planned. Well, creativity doesn't work that way and uh-huh. it doesn't work best that way in my opinion. So if that's what happened, those episodes were definitely more standalone-ish, you know, or really right. kind of. They were standalone episodes, you know, they little parts of them were kind Mm -hmm. of integrated into these last couple episodes, but I just enjoyed them for what they were. And I was listening along while you were, uh, while you were doing the pod and while we were all watching (laughs) while I was going through my spiral. (laughs) Yeah. But you know, you, I, I appreciate your criticism because uh-huh. it comes from a place of love and of you wanting, you know, and, and you take into account your own expectations. I think you're an adult mm. about it. Um, <laughs> I mean, I've been kind of shocked today. Why, uh, seeing rise of the Skywalker and then finally looking at spoilers online. Um, you just see how some people just get so angry either way and lose perspective right. on something. And that's rather unfortunate, but I thought, I thought you always had a good perspective and I couldn't disagree with you because there wasn't mm-hmm. a lot of plot there. You know, it was meandering. Right. Um, right. there were certain times where I was hoping like, Ooh, are we going to get, and then nothing happened. But uh-huh. since I kind of dug just watching it with my kid and I also dug just the vibe, the samurai Western kind of drifter vibe here, you know, I mean, even like, I still don't understand how the, how they track him. <laughs> does anybody understand that? I don't get it. What's the fog? No. How does it work? 
But, right. you know, I just kind of said, okay, I'm going to go along with it. Right. And that's one of those things where I feel like I, I, I don't want too much explanations in my Star Wars because then you start coming up with logic problems. Yeah. Um, and, and with Rise of Skywalker, they didn't really explain why the Emperor came back and I didn't care. I was happy. I was, I was like, you know what? I'm glad he's back. Whatever, whatever excuse they gave us on why he was back, I'd be picking apart with a fine tooth comb. So yeah, it, it, I don't like, I don't mind, um, that they don't over explain things like the, yeah, the fobs kind of, I get it. They're a tracking thing. Is it DNA related? <laughs> like if you get like, you know, when you go into, uh, you get booked, uh, you know, in, uh, for jail. Yeah. <laughs> you, you take your fingerprint. Well, what's the star Wars version of that? You know? Yeah. Do they, they take some sort code. of blood sample? Remember, um, it was last episode. They, she, uh, I think, um, there were a couple people who mentioned it. They said something like your data sequence or, you know, like, is it, and I thought, oh, okay, is that what like a DNA? Yeah, exactly. Like I thought maybe we're going to learn, we didn't really learn anything about it this episode, but I don't know. I'm like I said, I'm I feel like that's that's enough though. I feel like that's enough for you to be like, okay, I can move on from, from that. Yes. Uh, But yeah, like I mentioned, like. Um, the last episode five and six, definitely not thrilled about, but the last two episodes way back on board, way more enthusiastic about it. Um, had no problems doing my rewatch for, uh, the podcast episode. Uh, those two up at those, the five and six, I did not feel like rewatching for the podcast. So these last two are really great. And also it helps that this one was directed by, one of my favorite dudes, Taika Waititi, yeah. who is a talented and just fun guy. And who better to do a Star Wars show than him? I mean, he should be getting a movie for sure. I hope um, so. But they would, I would, they should only give it to him if he has like full control. Because um, like Thor Ragnarok completely took probably the least interesting sort of Marvel character. Like at the time, I think I don't think that Thor and Thor dark world were amongst anybody's favorite of the Marvel cinematic universe, but he comes along and does Thor Ragnarok and it like completely does a one eighty, And I would put that in my top five. No problem. Yeah. Uh, For me, that is, I mean, really the only auteur driven, Marvel movie that they've done. I think they mm-hmm. kind of let him go with it. It was fun. That was, that's my favorite one. I like those movies are a lot of fun. I appreciated right. that one in a different way where I could, I just saw so much creativity coming out that it right. just like, I mean, even the costumes, everything, just the sets, it was, it was gorgeous. And he did a great job. I actually thought that he was pretty restrained in this episode and um, right. I appreciated that because it, it wasn't like he came in and said, okay, here, let's turn the <laughs> lights on. You know, it still felt like everything else, but it had little I, touches. I feel like the opening scene 
was sort of him yeah. <laughs> getting his Star Wars stamp, you know, like, yes. like this is what it would be like if I did Star Wars. And then he went into the episode, but that the, those two biker scouts, that scene, I mean, I could have watched a whole episode of that. <laughs> I, I found them incredibly entertaining. Um, uh, I don't think they got killed, so I could see a return of them. I know one of them got beat into one of the 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 speeder bikes, and the other got his wrist broken. But I feel like we could see their return, which would be great. That would be, you know, that was Jason Sudeikis and Adam Paley. Yeah, and uh, both of those, yeah. I got Sudeikis, I got right away, but Paley, I didn't get until after. And I've seen him on a, what was he on the Mindy project? And there was that, uh, that friends like show that was on ABC where the, the, the daughter from 24 Kiefer Sutherland's <laughs> daughter was it. It was pretty good. Actually. It was a fun little, and Damon Wayans jr. Was on it too, but that was a fun show, but that was great. Um, yeah, that was a, you, you, you're absolutely right that that was like his little short film to get kind right. of get the creativity out because that yeah. was a little bit different. And then and it, it followed suit. Yeah, I feel like the 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 bulk of the actual episode itself, uh, I think a lot of the comedy or fun came from the action. And pretty much the rest of it was taken fairly seriously. Yeah. Like there literally wasn't a lot of jokes. Even his character that he plays, IG-11, wasn't as funny as he was in the first episode. Not at all. That's a great point, Ralph. Not at all. He was – because you could see the way the programming had changed and he like was – had turned on that naturing and protecting. And I like that. And actually for a second – because it wasn't jokey, I was like, is that still him playing it or did they get – but I was like, no, that is still him playing yeah, the voice. Him. But it was very reserved. Uh, and yeah. I appreciate it. I thought this was a great episode and it really tied everything together. And uh, right. starting it – except, of course, where he keeps on smacking um, Baby Yoda, which was not nice. Nobody liked that part. Yeah. Well, you need to establish establish your bad guys being bad guys, I suppose. Yes. Did you see uh did you see Jojo Rabbit? Uh no, what? Oh no, the film that he recently did. No, I have not seen it. Right. Yeah, great movie, a lot of humor, but there's a lot of drama towards the the latter half of the movie. It's uh it's pretty great. Yeah, um it's was, it's really Oh, go ahead. I was going to say, if you get a chance, you, you should definitely check it out. Yeah, I would I'd a, like it, to. Yeah. Um, so the IG, IG-11 gets on the speeder bike. This made me very happy. Uh, there was a cartoon of the Clone Wars. Before, before the CG series, there was a, a series of shorts that Gendy Tartakovsky did. He did, um, I believe, he did Powerpuff Girls. I could be wrong. Um, or Samurai Jack. I think he did. It was Samurai Jack. And he recently did Prime. That's right. That That's was a right. great little Samurai series. Because Samurai Jack was great because it lended itself to sort of like almost along the lines of Mandalorian. But it, it, he his style lent itself 
to Star Wars, and in that uh, series, he had IG droids. He had IG IG lancers, which were also riding um, speeder bikes, which I, I always thought was a really cool visual. And here in this episode, he doesn't have the the actual like jousting lance, but still the the droid riding the speeder bike. So great. So, so many, so many fun stuff. Like there's so much fun stuff happening in this. When he takes out the speeder bike guys sitting at the entrance. Um, and then you see the two, uh, you see the two stormtroopers haggling with the Jawa. Yeah. And they get taken out as he goes by. Like just, I mean, I've said it before and I'll say it again. I feel like John Favreau and company just had a, the biggest pile of Kenner star Wars toys and just went around and played with them and then directed that. Yeah. It was a lot of fun, fun, man. When, when IG 11 comes screaming in on the, on the speeder bike, he jumps off the speeder bike tumbles, takes out a couple stormtroopers. He starts firing every at everybody in sight and hitting everybody. Like it just felt like something I would do on the floor of my living room. <laughs> it totally did. And you know, it was cool how it's a, a droid on the speeder, but, and it started to make you feel like he could become the speeder bike. And then <laughs> later you see that R2 unit that stands up and has the big oh, arms yeah. and legs. And I don't know. I was just kind of thinking about that kind of like, communicating how they how like the the connection even between like the mandalorian and his armor and technology and people maybe i'm getting too deep about it but i just thought it was kind of interesting to me that as ig11 was riding the speeder bike, i almost in my mind created like a speeder bike that has a droid built into it <laughs> like a single machine yeah and it was caught and, yeah. and it, 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 he acted like that you know like it was because you the those things traditionally it's like the human always has control of it until they don't and then they go flying right. off of it but I never mm-hmm. thought that he was going to go. F- and you're right. The way his body spun and it just went. And then it was like, ding, ding, ding. And it was shot so well, just like <laughs> still frame, you know? Boom. Yeah. He did the action, action, boom, boom. And the and the way the Jawa just stood there, was like, Rrr. like the little noise. Because, <laughs> <laughs> you know, Jawas, they don't care, man. They're like, <laughs> no, moving on. No. They're probably going to resell that armor. Exactly. Exactly. An opportunity. <laughs> we get a scene with Moff uh, Gideon, and he knows everybody that's in this bar mm. that, that, that he has trapped in the bar. So we get a little bit of backstory on each of the characters. Uh, the first one being Kara Cynthia Dune of Alderaan. So Kara Dune is from Alderaan. So it would probably put her around, let's see, Alderaan blew up in Star Wars. And this is, let's say, 11 years after Star Wars. If it, you know, I'm assuming that it's six years between Star Wars and Jedi. And this takes place five years after Jedi. So just roughly, I'm going to say about 11 years. So she was probably in her early 20s, mid 20s when Alderaan blew up. Um, which makes her hate 
the Imperial even more, I'm assuming. Because yeah, she definitely like has touch. no love for the Imperials. Yeah, I, it was yeah. cool the way he, he shouts at each of them out. And for me, that was an important thing plot-wise because I had to understand why he was even talking to them. You know, he had already right. blown up all of his own guys like they and I was glad that they addressed it. The two stormtroopers in the beginning where they said, hey, he already killed his own guys, you know, like right. because that was kind of thing that I was wondering when I was on Owen and Baru's, we were talking like Matt had the idea of like, is does this like signify different factions or is it just that he's crazy? And I guess it's just that he's crazy. But it's like why – it's almost as if he's – they set up something interesting uh, because there's an emotional attachment that they have because of that pain. But it seems as if there's something even deeper for him about particularly the two characters, not grief as much. Mm-hmm. Hmm. I'm not sure. I sort of took it as he didn't want to fire the E-Web blaster in there because he has a chance to still get the baby alive. But didn't he know was, that they had the baby or was, or is, was there oh, a time right. displaced? See, that's what I didn't get. If there was, yeah. a, it's like displaced time. Like the scene that we saw happened right. kind of while he was talking and he gets the information that the baby has been taken but then it was like IG-11 got there so quickly on the speed. You, you don't, you know, I was kind of, yeah. I didn't understand why he said to them, I'll give you till sundown. And I've been listening and reading to a couple other you know, podcasts in preparation. Some people mm-hmm. like yourself are saying, well, okay, he, he kind of there, he didn't really know at that point. So he was playing it safe, but I still thought that maybe there was another reason why he was keeping them alive that was important to him outside of the asset or baby Yoda. Well, here's the thing is by the time we get to this point in the show, it sounds like the Imperials have pretty much taken out all of the Mandalorians on Navarro with the exception mm-hmm. of the armorer. Yeah. And and then uh, oh, the Mandalorian himself. Yeah. So, so he we find out at the end of the episode that he's in possession of the dark saber. Now, the dark saber is huge in Mandalore, Mandalorian lore, and I don't. I'm really just starting to catch up on on Clone Wars since Disney Plus has come out. Uh, I kind of stopped after three seasons. I'm back in. I'm back up again, and I'm in the middle of season four. And I know the dark saber is in this show. I don't know if I've seen it yet, or if it's something I saw way back when. Um, but it's definitely in um, the show Rebels, which I watched all of. And the dark saber is huge in Mandalorian culture, and essentially whoever wields the dark saber is essentially the head of Mandalore. Hmm. Like if you're able to get your hands on this, you're essentially the king of the hill. So he must have, he must have been talking to them and not fired into the bar because of something that the Mandalorian has or he wants. Mm, Yeah. Or that, that there's a connection there 
um, that we don't yet know about. Maybe it's maybe that's his grandfather or something. <laughs> maybe he. Well, it could be. It could be something where Moff Gideon knows this guy from the past, yeah. and he knows about this. What he called uh, the trail was it the trail of a thousand, the night of a thousand tears. Um, that maybe that this that the Mandalorian has something, some sort of information that he could use, or maybe yeah. it has to do with the necklace. That, Maybe that there's something true. he possesses. He knows that since he knows his past enough that there's something that he has Mandalorian wise that, that, you know, he could use. So it's interesting. Well, wasn't that, wasn't, isn't that saber? What's it called? The dark saber. Right. Wasn't that. Oh, so I was listening to another Mandalorian podcast by my friends, uh, Bubba and catfish on the double P podcast network. And they kind of read through the history of it. And okay. I had known a bit cause I too, I've watched some of the cartoons, not all of them. And sometimes I think I did watch them all. And then I rewatched some with my son. So I'm sometimes I'm not even ever sure. Um, but so that was originally owned by the only Mandalorian Jedi, right? Isn't that where that comes from? And then it was like stolen by this person and that person. And then it shows up again in rebels. And then Sabine right. gives it to like her sister to hold or something. And then that's before the massacre of the Mandalorians. Am I correct about okay. that? I, I don't, fully know i know i know i know about as much as you do okay. and i think you're correct i think that's what i gleaned uh, from it but yeah it, sabine did have it for a while in rebels and she did give it to her sister okay so and that happened just before the original star wars so that again would be like 11 years before this episode so i like so that, that see that's kind of that is enough kind of um mythology and stuff for me to like and to and to be kind of fascinated by this character um uh -huh. and of course it's giancarlo esposito so he's he's always fantastic yeah. um but and make me question like does he have force powers or is it mandalore like where is the is the a jedi connection a mandalorian connection maybe he's trying to right that original wrong or he has some kind of perverted sense of justice maybe he wants to and the, and our mandalorian has something to do with it i think that that's that kind of that was enough to get me interested Right. I'm, I'm really excited about season two. Uh, I wasn't super thrilled on seeing the dark saber. Um, we, we have still not made it through any sort of star Wars without a lightsaber being involved. We almost had that with solo. <laughs> we were so close in solo and this in the last 30 seconds of, uh, the Mandalorian. What are you, what are you anti Jedi? No, no, I just, it's one of those things where I feel like what's fun about the Mandalorian show is that it takes place on the outskirts of our main Star Wars story. And there's never really any crossover. Uh, that's one of the reasons why I like Solo so much, even though it is Han Solo and Chewbacca, 
um, we don't really have to deal with Imperials yeah. and the Rebellion. There's a little bit of stuff with the Rebellion towards the end, but it's it's not really about that. So I kind of like that Star Wars that's kind of on the outskirts. I dig it. I know what you're saying. And then this, and then yeah, this one. I feel like oh, we're so close. Like lightsabers now bring in Jedi and all this other stuff. I mean, even though we do have Baby Yoda, um, which I guess has a name. Uh, I heard it. I, I I watched an interview with Bob Iger on on StarWars.com, and he says he knows its name. <laughs> its name so, is Cash Money. <laughs> That's its name. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> No kidding. Tell me the about The little it. green, that prince green, you know? The goose that laid the golden... I still can't believe they don't have that out as a damn stuffed animal because I would have bought like three of them for my kid for Christmas, but I guess they're coming. But yeah, I heard that too, that he said that um, it has a name and I guess we'll find out. I guess so. We found or out Mando's just... name, right? Yeah. That was cool, I guess. I mean, it's just a Mandalorian-esque name. (laughs) It's a name. Uh, Yeah. So this whole season, they've talked about him not taking off his helmet. And (laughs) I didn't know if we would see his face or not. But the scene leading right up to it kind of made me groan a little bit. Where the Mando says, no living thing has seen me without my helmet. Yeah. And I'm like, because he said living thing, it's so obviously that it sets up the line, I'm not a living thing. Yeah. (laughs) It kind of worked for me. I agree with you that it was very (laughs) – I knew too that he was going to say it. But I think that um, Tyke's line reading – kind of got me and that's where it was yeah. i was reminded of the way he was serious like he didn't say like well i am not you know he just said i am not yeah. and i kind of bought it and i was like okay i kind of yeah. bought it and then surprisingly he takes off his helmet and it's pedro pascal from game of thrones <laughs> I, I had no idea i was like i was shocked it was kind of weird because he took off the helmet and i was like okay am i supposed to be surprised i knew the actor i guess it's yeah he took off the helmet but it didn't it didn't have the resonance, I guess, to me, because if, if say, he had taken off the helmet when he had met um, that woman in the village, right? there would have been an emotional resonance or character resonance. But in this sense, right. it, there was a resonance because, oh, he was trusting a droid, right? He had learned right. to trust. And that was kind right. of his journey through this season. I appreciated that. But yeah. – there was nothing, you know, it didn't affect his creed. It didn't affect how he views himself. So it was kind I kind of like, I think I even leaned to my son and I said, Hey, it's the guy from game of Thrones. And he was like, what? <laughs> you know, I just had to make a dumb joke. But um, for me, it was, it was kind of like, uh, it was baby steps for him. Yeah. Like, I feel like it, it, it took a lot for him a to, to trust a droid and then to take off his helmet um, I, yeah, I was surprised that there was nothing to it. Like he didn't have like an eye patch or, a, <laughs> or some sort of like, some Scar, sort of like alien makeup yeah. or something. It was just him. Yeah. I mean, he had scars on his face from the battle, but, uh, I mean, I'm like, yeah, I, I, I know what he looked like. 
I was waiting for it to be something a little bit more, but I don't really, it really didn't bother me. It was just, I thought it was kind of a funny scene that I feel like, I feel like that scene was in there just because they got notes from somebody saying we have to see his face. Yeah, that, there was too much bad press about uh, it not actually being him in any of the episodes, which I didn't care about at all. I mean, right. that wasn't uh, – there was something else that I found out which really shocked me is that wasn't Nick Nolte either. In, in the, he didn't you know, shrink down to three feet tall. <laughs> it doesn't you – know, it doesn't – nobody is anybody. He still – to me, it didn't matter. But some people right. I know were kind of upset, like, oh, it wasn't him. Yeah, I, I guess I kind of feel that. But I also think it made sense in the story. Um, they did build up to it. It showed mm-hmm. the trust with the droid. And at yeah. that point, I I kind of was thinking um, for a second, I thought, wait, maybe he's going to die. Right. You know, maybe he, maybe really this character is going to die in this. They're going to like pull one on us and a different Mandalorian is going to pick up, you know, this, or maybe I was thinking, oh, wait, maybe, you know, um, Giancarlo is going to all of a sudden be a good guy or so, or like come in and take, and he's the new Mando or something. So it did kind of, it got me in that sense where I thought, okay, now once he took the helmet off, I thought, oh, there's no way he's dying. <laughs> they, <laughs> like, they're going to kind of show us that, you know? Like, it, it kind yeah. of, for a second, it got me. And then I was like, oh, no. Like, you, as he was taking it off, then it hit me. Oh, this is to show the emotion here. Take a little break to tell you about cufflinks.com. And I want to give another special shout out to Ben, James, and Kim, who won our last big Cufflinks giveaway. And there's more to come. I've got great products from cufflinks.com to give to you. And you know what you can give to us? Your time. Go to cufflinks.com slash DVR today. Use code WINNER20 and you could get amazing savings. 20% off. It's the winter clearance sale. From January 3rd to the 12th, go to cufflinks.com slash DVR today. And stay tuned because we've got lots of great Cufflinks giveaways coming your way right here on the DVR Podcast Network, baby. Do it. One of the best parts about podcasting is getting to know the listeners and making new friends. And one of those friends is Andy. You may have heard me mention him before on one of our many podcasts. And Andy and his wife, Claire, are looking to adopt. So if you or anybody you know is considering adoption for their baby, please consider the loving family of Andrew and Claire. They're a home study approved adoptive family of three living on a farm in southern Minnesota with a dog, Barney, and two turtles. They're able to adopt from anywhere in the United States and would love to answer any questions you may have. To learn more about them, check out their Facebook page at Andrew and Claire Adopt or on Instagram at Andrew underscore and underscore Claire underscore adopt. You can also email them at Andrew and Claire Adopt at gmail.com. So again, if you or anyone you know is considering adoption for their baby, reach out at andrewandclaireadopt at gmail.com. Thanks. I, I thought for a second, A, I thought he was going to die as well. Uh, and then that Cara Dune would take over. Oh, okay. Which would maybe take his armor. Oh, that would have been And cool. take care of the baby in his place. 
Because yeah, the only thing that. we've the only thing we've seen from season two is John Favreau posted a picture on Instagram saying that he uh, that they'd started production and he just had the helmet sitting on a rock. Um, so I'm like, oh, it could be anybody. Didn't he have, I saw a picture of him and he was holding up one of those guards from Return of the Jedi, like a model of that. Yeah, they posted, he posted like a, it was either a model or it was a, a piece of like production art. Oh, okay. For a Gamorrean guard, for a Gamorrean yes. guard, but it was more like a, it looked a little more slender. Maybe, maybe we're going to so see Jabba or something, you know? Uh, Jabba would be dead by this yeah, point, but there true. are other huts out there. Well, nobody really dies, though. Yeah. Star Wars. No kidding. <laughs> um, so I have a question because this is something that it wasn't really clear to me. And maybe you can maybe you can help me out a bit. Um, the Mandalorian gets his signet. Uh, uh, the armor forges it and puts it on his on his uh, shoulder plate. And is it a mud horn? Is that what it is? Because she says it's two, two or two fight is one, but it kind of looks like it could be a profile of a mudhorn. Because usually it's like the the monster that you defeat to get your your signet on your on your arm. You know, that's interesting. I didn't make that connection, and it could be because they had that was the thing that they fought and killed together. Right Correct. in the beginning, right. in the what the first or second episode? Second, second episode. So I like that. I when I saw it, I just thought it was more um, something new, like <laughs> a, a design of a symbol or something that they kind of created that the bond created together. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I, I think that what you're saying makes sense too, because originally he said, you know, I, it wasn't a clean kill, right? The, the adversary or whatever helped me. And now in this perspective, it would make total sense to bring it back around because that was really what she was communicating to him that their, your fates are now tied together. Um, right. And I like that. Did you, I kind of dug the way, the I dug her role and the way she spoke to him and the way he just listened because I like that this show had those um like elderly characters that yeah, kind of he, spoke to people, you know? Like he, Quill. He kind of he kind of has his mindset on the code or the creed, I guess it is. Uh and he seems very set in his ways. And what she's telling him is kind of like, well, listen, you don't have to do it verbatim. Yeah. There's like some wiggle room in there. And so she kind of has this sort of like, she's not mad at him for collecting the child and then going back and saving it. She finds that it's somewhat admirable. Um, and it seems like for him, he was agonizing so much over this, like going back to rescue the child. And I'm assuming he thought that way because he already received his bounty. He can't go back when he's already taken the money. So with her saying, you know, it, it made it seem like she was cool with it. 
Like maybe you don't have to stick to the code so closely. Um, He, I mean, the baby is a foundling, much like he was a foundling. It sounded like he, she was telling him that he could train the baby, but there's also a choice to not train the baby. Cause the way it made it sound like if you're a foundling, you get trained and indoctrinated into the Mandalorian code. And uh, yeah, it seemed like she was kind of like, you can, but you don't have to. And it would be more natural to bring it back to where it's from. With, this is what right. I liked about this show is that for me, the thing that I was attracted to about Star Wars was, you know, I'm like a real hard sci-fi guy. I grew up reading like Arthur uh-huh. C. Clarke. I love uh, like 2001 is my favorite film. <laughs> I love The uh-huh. Expanse. I just watched Ad Astra. I love it when they just ride on something through space and they talk about science shit. I love that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. But right. Star Wars is really more... It has a uh, a spirit to it, a spirituality to it. A, you mm-hmm. learn lessons. And that's what I liked about Mandalorian. And that's what I liked about this scene is because it's speaking to that. And for me, that's like kind of the best of Star Wars. Because like right. you say, if we go into like Star Wars is not hard sci-fi. If you, the more you investigate it, the more it is fantasy rather than science mm-hmm. fiction. And that's right. okay. But mm-hmm. it's the themes. And for me, I've been studying Buddhism for like, since I was like 18, when I was growing up, Star Wars, the GI Joe comic books, surprisingly, mm-hmm. um, were things that kind of introduced Buddhism or Eastern thought to me. And George Lucas being, I mean, he calls himself a a Methodist with a Buddhist with Methodist upbringing or something. But I think it's Mm -hmm. what I've read is that the guy has been studying Buddhism and he meditates, does he's interested in it. And that is what I found in the first three Star Wars, those kind of lessons um, that you learn. And the Mandalorian is seeking to kind of bring a little bit of that back. And I find they do a great job of it. And this lesson of making the Mandalorian a little less like Klingons, which I mm-hmm. think they could go in that direction, like a warrior kind of race and a little bit more like samurai uh, mm-hmm. with a kind of ethos and like that, that kind of like uh, Taoism brought into it. I find really fascinating and it's kind of my cup of tea. I enjoy it. So I really enjoyed all of that. And I thought that it lended um, more of a spirituality, but also um, an emotionality to the Mandalorian to see that what we've seen this whole season, him kind of, you know, going against this code in a way or being conflicted, but ultimately following what he believed was the right thing to do because it's like to do no harm to this child and protect it was in the end, what his elder approved of. 
So that kind of right. gave me a little chills and I was like, Oh, this was great. You know, I, I thought that that was cool. And throughout the her, whole season, her, I've enjoyed that. Yeah. She kind of echoes Obi-Wan's sentiment in the first star Wars where he tells Luke, uh, you must do what you feel is right. Yeah. And that's essentially what she is. She's kind of, I guess his Obi-Wan in a way. And, uh, I, I just like that. She's not, by the book yeah. or maybe, maybe he's just too by the book and she's like, Hey, you got to loosen up, man. <laughs> well, right. <laughs> you know, he, it's, it's as if he is conflicted, but he still acts in that pure way, you know? So right. though his thought, you know, like Obi-Wan two said, don't let your thoughts betray you. And right. he doesn't let his thoughts betray him. That's why, it was when you kind of said like, Oh, I was disappointed that there was the saber in it. I actually coming out of, you know, rise of the Skywalker two today and thinking about this trilogy, I really find more of that, that star Wars stuff in the Mandalorian than I did in these three films, except, I mean, I'm a big fan of the last Jedi. I think that had a good bit of it on uh, purposefully. So, um, but this, this, this in the Mandalorian made me really, that was actually my favorite part of this episode. The action was great fun. Um, mm -hmm. the, the beginning was very funny, but the fact that the, the fact that we got to spend time with her and got to kind of see into him too. And we learned more about, you know, we kind of saw the complete flashback right. of what happened to him, that they invested that time in it. I thought was really cool because for a show that did meander a lot, uh, mm -hmm. they were able to pack a lot into the final episode without it seeming too hokey, uh, mm -hmm. and kind of integrate it with the action though. They did kind of hang out in the sewers a while, you know, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. but that's star Wars, you know, like right. uh, at one point they're like, maybe we should get going. Yeah, I think you should. Cause you really, you couldn't have walked that much. <laughs> you know, it's like, yeah. A lot of people coming after you. Yeah. But it doesn't give you time to breathe. You <laughs> yeah. know, the, for the, the action is so front loaded that you need a little time to breathe and, and relax. And uh, I mean, right after that, we get another action sequence with the armor and stormtroopers, which it, it seemed a little shoehorned in, but at the same time, it was so awesome. Just busting up helmets and tossing stormtroopers into the into the fire, like it was a lot of fun, uh, and it's it's cool because it shows us that we'll probably most likely see her again in season two. Yeah, and that stormtrooper goes all the way into the. <laughs> yeah, first I thought he was just going to kind of hang on the side, but no, he went all the way in. Yeah, he burned fast. Maybe that's some kind of special armor that she'll make from, the, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, I was going to say, what does it look like coming out the other yeah. side? Cool. <laughs> Not pretty. Um, man, I, I don't know if I have any more thoughts on this episode. Um, I'm looking forward to season two. Do you have thoughts on any more thoughts on this episode or what's coming up for next season? Um, I I thought I mean I have to mention uh grief. Uh, I think that when he's like tell him to do the hand thing. <laughs> right. <laughs> Carl Weathers was such a joy and uh -huh. 
the 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 way he read these lines and the very formal way that grief speaks i really like that a lot i thought that was a good choice i don't know if that was his choice or the producers or directors that this was kind of how this character was um yeah. but i enjoyed him throughout i thought that the end was really cool to say you know go and reunite him and that they stay behind, that Grief and Kara decide to stay behind. I yeah. wasn't sure whether they were going to go with him, but then I kind of wanted them to. But then ultimately when they didn't, I thought, okay, that's cool because we'll see them again. And, right. you know, it's kind of true to that. What we've learned about them so far is they are going to stay behind and he's going to go kind of complete this mission on his own. Uh, and I think we still don't know who it was that walked up to what was her name. I had it. I had it. Don't remember. Uh, Ming Na Wen's character. Yes, we still don't know who walked up at the end there, or should we just assume that it was Moff Gideon? I don't know. It didn't look like him. The thing I keep hearing is that we hear spurs jingling. That's what I hear too. Yeah, and that's also something you hear from Boba Fett. Mm -hmm. So that's a sound effect that's used in, in uh, Boba Fett when Boba Fett's in the original trilogy. I, I need to find out more about this, but I, I'm fine if Boba Fett shows up. Uh, it'll be interesting. Yeah, they could. Uh, well, where did we last see in, in the Star Wars timeline? Where did we last see Boba Fett? Uh, he was falling into a Sarlacc pit. But we know that he's alive somehow, right? How do we know this? I can't remember. Books. Okay. Expanded books. universe. Okay. Which are now yeah. legends, right? I believe. <laughs> I believe in one of the new Disney canon books, there's a mention of his armor being sold on Tatooine or something. Okay. So he could be alive without his armor or he could be dead without his armor. Or he Tough could say, or he could have had a clone son like his dad, you know, a right. clone of a clone of a clone. Right. The, the clone thing really open. So now that we're at the end here, do you think that baby Yoda is a clone or do you believe like what Quill said that, it doesn't, it seems to have evolved as he says, and that it, that this I, is something different. I have a feeling the way the, what I want to believe is that it's a clone. It's maybe has been, um, incubating for 50 years, but okay. it's still a babe, but it's still a baby. It hasn't been like kind of alive and conscious for 50 years. Uh, I, I also thought if it's a clone and they're using the accelerated growth process, like they did with uh, the Republic clones, that the line from Nick Nolte, where he says he hasn't aged at all would throw that out of the window. So I don't think he's an it's accelerated growth. So I don't know if, if he is a clone, if he's, been alive since earlier than the clone wars. Cause that would set us back before the clone wars. Um, I don't know if they're just trying to get his, uh, 
his um, data sequencing. Yeah, his metachlorines. To, <laughs> to, to, create, to create more. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Right. But that's uh, the ultimate question. Like, is he a clone or are they trying to clone him? Yeah, we know that Dr. Pershing is involved. He's got a patch that's similar to the clones on Kamino. So we know that. Whether And we've seen him with the baby on an operating table, which means he was trying to extract something from him. Because he had that kind of torture droid with the, with the needle on it, the hypodermic needle. So if, I mean, I'm assuming he's not a clone and they're trying to extract his DNA. Otherwise, why would Pershing keep him there to do the experiments? That's kind of so, where, that's kind of where I'm coming out of it. And too. if they and if they already cloned this one, if this guy is a clone, well, why would they need this one? Why would they not have the ability to make more? So I feel like this is a natural born Yoda creature. And they're trying to get its hands on it to extract and clone more of them. So I don't believe this baby is a clone. Okay, cool. So that's my thoughts. Um, yeah, I hope season two, I, I'd like to see more of, I like that there's Moff Gideon. Uh, this, this season didn't really have a main central villain. And then I like the fact that we have, him either taking the baby to either some sort of Jedi temple to be taken care of by Jedis or to a planet where Yoda species uh, live so that he could be raised by his own. So it'll be interesting on how they do it. Um, I don't know why I picture Yoda creatures living on something similar to like an ET planet. (laughs) Yeah. I don't know why I feel like it would be like that. You know, like when you see the inside of E.T. spaceship, yeah, I feel like it's exactly the same, but with Yodas. But I don't want there to be a lot of Yodas. Uh, they're going to have to be careful about that, right? Because it's just right. as we've been talking about too many answers. Um, it, it, it the, I, I th- you know, you don't want them to like kind of land during like the Yoda carnival or something. <laughs> it's like right. It'd be. I feel it like takes the mystery away. I feel like if he finds a mysterious planet, something that's kind of the opposite of Exegol in the in the Rise of Skywalker, something that's like really a Jedi planet, um, and uh, maybe it's hidden. And I feel like if anything, I would be okay with is if he gives the baby to Yaddle because we haven't seen Yaddle since Episode One, and I feel like that's an established character she can take the baby and raise the baby. That would be I cool. think I'd be okay with that, but I don't know if I want to see a whole, I don't want know if I could deal with another Yoda species character. Like I, I, I was, I'm fine with Yoda. Obviously uh, everyone loves baby Yoda. And then I'm okay with Yaddle, even though she was kind of dumb at the time, but I feel like I can't have more. They're, they're pushing it. <laughs> it does. Push. I think that a, maybe a situation where for some reason he can't go there. Like you're saying, there's an intermediate intermediary that takes the baby. But then again, 
if he gets, if that's something next, it's like, how many is this, what this show is about, right? Mm -hmm. Is the Mandalorian going to be the story until this journey with baby Yoda is over and then the Mandalorian's over? Or is this like he drops him off somewhere in episode one and goes on to a new adventure uh, in like learning about himself or something like that. Mm. You know, they add a new mythology right. to it, but I, I I'm kind of getting the feeling that baby, yo, this is what this show is about their connection. Right. Um, but how do you go about finding where the baby is from? That's the thing, right? Like the people right. or creatures that he would have to come in contact with, to know where the most powerful force using species is from, it's probably going to have to be other force I, users, you know? I have an idea. Because the first thing you would have to do is find a Jedi. Yeah. And as far as we know, the only Jedi we're aware of is Luke Skywalker. But Ezra Bridger is out there as well. That would be cool. I could see them doing a live action Ezra and he could bring help to maybe look in some sort of Jedi temple or Jedi archives to find the origins of Yoda because Ezra's talked to Yoda in rebels. And so by seeing, being able to communicate with Yoda and see Yoda in, uh, in force visions and then being introduced to this character, I feel like that would be interesting. That could, that could help lead him on a track to find the origin of the species and find the home planet. I dig it. I think I would, I would be much more excited about a live action Ezra than a de-aged 1987 Mark Hamill. <laughs> He'll end up looking like uh, looking like uh, De Niro in The Irishman. He's supposed to be like 28 years old, and he looks like he's 60. <laughs> Did you see The Irishman? I haven't. Oh, okay. There's also this part when like he's supposed to be in like his 30s or 40s, and he beats this guy up, and it looks like it's like an 80-year-old man. <laughs> he's like, okay, he's, really, it didn't work. It was still a great movie, but yeah, I'm not I, – I think that would be cool too. Or somebody new. You know, he comes across right. and I, I, you know, whenever a, um, someone who is attuned with the force, because I'm a believer in my star Wars head canon that the midichlorians aren't as important and the force is around us. It surrounds us. It is a part of us and everyone can become attuned to the force and everyone could become a force user or a Jedi uh, and I think that the Mandalorian himself with his connection to baby Yoda, maybe he'll develop. I just, I don't know. I'm interested in seeing them develop a little bit of the force stuff with that, or maybe melding it with the Mandalorian. Cause like I say, I get this kind of cool, a little bit of samurai, a little bit of Zen stuff going on there. And I, I kind of, I like that angle. So I like the, 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 that, like you're saying that kind of the, the, you know, his new, um, not logo, but, uh, sigil signet signet. Yeah. Okay. Sigil, I guess is game of Thrones. 
and um, them coming together, representing something too, that sharing who they are with each other on a level that surpasses words because they don't speak really to each other. Right. Right. I've also heard the thing that there's different sort of factions of Jedi and that Qui-Gon Jinn believed in the living force. And he mentions in the movie a couple of times, the living force sort of a, sort of a more science way to approach how the force works. But there's people like Obi-Wan who believe in a more spiritual side of the force. You know, you have, you have, uh, let's say you have, um, someone who's really religious and believe that ghosts are spirits of loved ones, but you can also have people like ghost hunters who are looking into more of the science behind it yes. as opposed to the, the spiritual nature. So I feel like the way the midichlorians thing is set up is that it's one way to view the force. Uh, one way to believe in the force. And that's the way that Qui-Gon believed. He believed that it had a direct correlation with, with uh, these living creatures that lived with inside people. Um, I could see that being a major plot point. I could see Dr. Pershing trying to uh, maybe uh, embrace the living force and try to clone uh, cells with a high midichlorian count and maybe John Favreau can say, you know what? You can't do that. It doesn't work. Midichlorians aren't real. That was the wrong way of thinking it, like of, of how the force works. So he can totally, if he wanted to, replace what George Lucas set up with midichlorians and dismiss it. And then fans would be excited because, oh, midichlorians were fake. Well, they they weren't the correct line of thinking. And I like what you said is uh, the way that you, you put it, which is in a, a personal interpretation and right. what makes one more valid than the other. And the mm-hmm. question is, especially with something like the force that it, it, it's self manifesting. So yeah. if that's what he believed, that's what he believed. Now, um, right. my friends on uh, the Double P Podcast Network had an idea that I thought was kind of cool that maybe Moff Gideon, since he has that saber, he does not, though, have – he's not Force-sensitive, right? And right. he wants to be, and he is mm-hmm. trying to get that those midichlorines from Baby Yoda injected into him like a bone marrow transplant or something, you know, right. like a DNA thing. And I think right. that's kind of a cool idea too, because then it takes that idea of the midichlorines and challenges it mm-hmm. um, and brings it back around to the idea of, you know, like self-determination in so far as the, a person's connection with the force, that it's not right. based on, you know, you have 20 and I have 24. So right. I'm more powerful than you. You know, mm-hmm. which I I've never really kind of thought in that way when it comes to what I think that Lucas was kind of intending or that other people, because it is alive in that sense. You know, it's a living, breathing mythology that every new writer and person adds to. But I like mm-hmm. your interpretation of it. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Um, man, we've been going for an hour. Cool. <laughs> um, I think I'm I think I'm ready to wrap things up. Uh, as far as the Mandalorian goes, um, for yeah, this is it. Uh, will I return for season two? Oh, I don't know. I, I, you know, it's it's been it's been a hectic eight weeks. 
the fact that this landed right in the middle of the holiday season uh, made it a little tough on me, but yeah. I don't think I could stop, stop stop talking about Star Wars, so I might be back for season two. I feel like I feel like why not? We'll see. Well, but, I, uh, for one, since I'm live on the podcast, <laughs> I would like to say do it. I would. I love okay. hearing you talk about it. I love your perspective. I thought you got a great bunch of different guests. So I hope that you do it. It will be in the fall. Maybe it'll be a little earlier. They're saying fall. So, you know, a little earlier next time. But I also will have to say that um, this ain't nothing, man. I did Game of Thrones season eight and that was hard. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Because yeah. people got so angry. <laughs> got so yeah, angry. I, you know, it, I am sad. glad it's on a weekly schedule, though. Yeah. Like, I'm really glad it's a weekly schedule, and uh, I have I have Monday night or Monday nights off, so it's a little bit easier for me to to kind of get myself a little buffer in between watching the the episode and recording the podcast. Um, gives me gives me time to think, so that's nice. <laughs> and you have some expect uh, your expectations. You can just kind of what you did this season, then going into next season, you kind right. of go in a little bit, maybe a little bit more knowing what you might be getting. And right. it takes a little pressure off. I know as a podcaster that can take a little pressure off you where you can just kind of go with the flow and have fun with it a little bit more, you know? Right. Right. And it's tough. It's tough committing to a podcast for a show. You haven't seen a single frame of definitely, you know, it's, it's it was a little rough, but no, it's uh yeah it was, it, it's a fun show. Trust me, I, I I enjoyed it. There was a couple of hiccups in the middle, but I got over those real quick, uh, especially with these last two episodes. Yeah, and it made me very excited for season two. Wow, uh, lights lightsabers and all. <laughs> yeah, man. Hey, I know how it is. You know, you tell Jorge we actually had an Alcatraz podcast. For, oh yeah, that oh, show was great. You know, it didn't last very long. Uh, our no, podcast, I really enjoyed it. it. Yeah, that though you never, you don't know what you're going to get. You start off doing a pod, and I think you got to have fun with it and find kind of your joy in it. You know, and uh, I think you did a good job of it, man. Even though some of those episodes you weren't too into, <laughs> you still had some fun talks about Star Wars. Right, right. I feel like I never really BS the audience. No, it was, <laughs> I think, and it wasn't, I think everyone cast. was along. I think everyone was along for my ride. Yeah. And, cool. uh, yeah, I think by the end of it, uh, everyone, everyone is happy with how the show turned out. Um, let folks know how to find you and, and where to, where to go to listen to your shows. Well, you can just head on over to dvrpodcast.com and uh, I have a kind of a master feed daily DVR where I release pretty much everything. And uh, let's see, we just finished covering The Watchmen. We did Mindhunter season one in the fall and now we're jumping back into Mindhunter season two. I'm also going to be covering The Bachelor with Sarah. That's a f- I've been watching that show with my wife forever. So I decided mm-hmm. why not do a fun that that's like a no expectations podcast, man. That's like the easiest <laughs> podcast in the world. Um, right. And then uh, we're going to be doing another season of Curb Your Podcast, where we cover Curb Your Enthusiasm and we just laugh for, we'll probably do it like, it'll be a shorter pod this time around. We were like kind of going scene by scene on Curb and that's not really the kind of show you need to do that with. Yeah. Um, 
but we're going to do that. And then we'll be back for Westworld. So whole bunch of stuff, man, I want to have you on the show and maybe I'm trying to get together some people to talk about uh, rise of the Skywalker um, over the next week or so. So if you're up for that, maybe I can, uh, I can gather you we might get like three or four people on that one. We'll see. We'll see. <laughs> yeah, I'm, in a, I'm in a weird, I'm in a weird headspace right now when it comes to, comes to episode nine. I loved it so much. I loved it even more the second time. And I just don't want to hear anybody's opinion anymore. <laughs> like, it's like, like, it's like, I am totally happy over here, loving it. Uh, my wife loved it. And so we're, we're kind of happy over here. And then if I see something on the internet, I just want to <laughs> fight somebody. Not because they're not because they're wrong. It's just because their opinions are just, uh, I don't know. I, I feel like I have a, like my, my blast shield down. I'm just ready to just like, I don't know. We'll see. That, give me, give me a week. Or so. Give me a week or so. All right. All right. <laughs> I can, I, I, Hey, you know, man, I always try to keep, try to keep a kind of a perspective. And I think yours is a correct. You got to be honest. <laughs> and if that's how you're feeling, man, I ain't going to take you down. I'm not going to, you 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 <laughs> no. stay having fun. Sometimes it does <laughs> to overanalyze something. You just want to enjoy it, you know. And so much of yeah. my enjoyment too. And I have to say, The Mandalorian. I've mentioned. I watch it with my son, and seeing it through his eyes and experiencing it with him, and also seeing Rise of the. It's like two different things. I can put my yeah. analyzer hat on, or I can put my feelings how I, and that is pure love. So it's good yeah. to stay in the love space. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, thanks for joining me. We'll see. Well, I, there's a, there's a lot of stuff I like. I'm sure if it's not star Wars, oh, it can yeah. be something else. Um, I, I definitely, I love to watch them, but I don't think I'm glad no one really asked me to be on their Watchmen podcast. Cause I, I feel like I'm not smart enough to talk about it oh, as in depth that. as I, what I've heard. Um, I just enjoyed sitting back and listening to those podcasts as opposed to trying to be involved with one. Um, so yeah, this is more my speed <laughs> as far as podcasting goes, but, uh, yeah, man. Uh, thanks for coming on and, uh, I'll chat with you soon. Thank you very much for having me, brother. It was a blast. <laughs> yeah, no problem. McClunky. All right. That was Ralph and I talking about Mando baby Mando. Love Mandalorian, man. Can't wait for season two. And I'm so excited to soon be covering The Bachelor with Sarah and Curb Your Enthusiasm with Sean. We got a whole host of other stuff coming up soon. I'm looking for shows. Hey, if you're interested in us covering something, send me an email, dvrpodcast at gmail.com. And also check out the show notes so you can hear more of Ralph. It's all there, baby. Just subscribe, rate, review, do whatever you do. Support Ralph, support us. We love you. We support you. Hey, I'll support you. Today, I'm your support guy. I'm here for you. All right? Right, Lachlan? He's laughing at me. All right. Thanks, everybody, for listening. I'll talk to you all later. Peace out.